Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Dundee, Ali's trainer right next to me is saying it. You may hear him. Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! Down goes Frazier! The heavyweight champion is taking the mandatory H-L and Foreman is as poised as can be in a neutral corner. He is... ...serious trouble. Does not appear to have much left at all. Frazier moving in now. So what an act of sportsmanship on Frazier's part. He eased up and let Buckner go down. The, no, the nose area now is starting to bleed again on Buckner's part. Joe trying to get it away. If he can knock him down, you... Welcome to Suzuki's Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you a sweet science straight up with no twist. How's everybody doing out there this evening, Thursday, April the 6th, 2017? And uh, we have a pretty good show for you lined up uh, this evening. A little bit later on, we'll be talking with Ronnie Essett. Yes, Ronnie Essett. Yeah, remember, we had some confusion getting Ronnie on the show a couple of weeks ago. I told you that was all settled, and he's uh, ready to go. Uh, in just a few minutes, we're scheduled to have Edna Cherry uh, on, although I haven't spoken to Edna all day, so I'm not 100% sure on that. Let's keep our fingers crossed. And, of course, we're going to close with ringside with Jeff Bumpus, and we have a lot to discuss uh, with him. So uh, let's get right to it. Let's get to some of the salient points uh, of boxing from the last time we were on. And, of course, I am Anthony George, also known as Zoot. And uh, a couple of in- intriguing fights uh, went down the pipe since we were last on the air. Antonio Orzoco, uh knocks out Keandre Gibson in a battle of undefeated. Uh, pretty good uh, scrap, a pretty good matchup, uh, entertaining fight there. So 
Orzorko, probably butchering that name, uh, wins in impressive fashion. And uh, the other big fight, is, of course, there's the Edna Cherry Omar Douglas fight. Uh, Edna Cherry gets a controversial 10 round decision. Uh, so, hoping we can get Edna on for him to discuss that. And uh, we'll go from there. I won't reveal anything else until I, I know for sure we have Edna on. And uh, a couple of newsworthy items that we've had down the pipe. Leo Santa Cruz has been ordered to uh, fight Abner Mares again, not call Frampton. So th- th- this is interesting to me because I don't want to see either fight. Uh, I didn't even know uh, Santa Cruz Frampton rematch was in the works, but the headlines were all saying that uh, that has to wait for a Santa Cruz Mares fight. Now, I thought that uh, Mares was extremely lucky to get uh, his victory over uh, Cuellar in his last battle. And, and I didn't think he did enough in the, the first fight with Santa Cruz to generate any kind of rematch interest. I mean, if you take it at face value and uh, think that he did beat Cuellar, which I didn't think he did, I, I suppose this uh, rematch has got some teeth to it. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's a fight we are going to see. And the other fight we are going to see is, uh, apparently anyway, is the Andre Ward, Sergey Kovalov, uh, rematch, which has been signed, I believe, for June 17th. So it took, it took a while for Rock Nation and Andre Ward to uh, you know sign on the dotted line to, to get the negotiations going. If you will, there was a lot of uh, interesting uh, posts and interesting news out there regarding this rematch. It was all, even rumors of Andre Ward retiring. What else? The, uh, the what else do I have to prove? Kind of thing. Uh, but uh, it appears that that rematch is set in stone, and that should be uh, fun. And that kind of fight uh, uh, leads me to my uh, segue to what I'm going to talk about next. And uh, since it is April the 6th, 2017, it's been 30 years, the 30-year anniversary of the crime of the century, when marvelous Marvin Hagler had his undisputed middleweight championship taken away from him in criminal fashion against Ray Leonard. Now there's a lot has been debated about has been written about and will continue to be until the end of time uh, about this fight. But uh, I, I just can't see how anybody could see this other than a terribly bad decision that went in the favor of Ray Leonard. He was supposed to, yes, he was supposed to walk in there and get overwhelmed, get beaten, get thoroughly beat up by Marvin Hagler, who was on a role as champion for a long time. That didn't happen. And I think people got carried away and still get carried away to this day with the things that Ray Leonard did in that ring that are not in keeping with what wins rounds in a boxing match. And that's what we have to keep in mind that you score a fight round by round, not by emotion, not by sentimental value, but round by round. And if you look at this fight round by round, there is no possible human way that I could see Ray Leonard getting this victory. Uh, And, you know, you want to give him credit? All right, yeah, he wasn't even supposed to be able to go 12 rounds. A guy who never really competed at middleweight before. Very, you know, very brief encounters there, if any at all. Uh, obviously, the layoff, all, all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, Leonard is a guy that took advantage of 
uh, taking this fight when he saw that Hagler was a little past his prime and not even what he saw. Everybody talks about that. Oh, I, he saw in Mugabe's. No, it was a lot more to it than that. And this came out of the words of Ray Leonard himself. He, after the Mugambi fight, he and Marvin sat down, uh, you know, for a talk as friends as Marvin thought it was. And Marvin, uh, you know, revealed to him that after the Mugambi fight, he was pretty much uh, done. He didn't have the desire anymore. He was looking to retire. He was looking to get out of the sport while he still had his health, while he was still financially secure. And then Ray Aaron says, oh, well, what better time to challenge him with that goofy smile of his? I mean, this, this is all on record. So, uh, you know, he, he pretty much went in there. You know, I mean, how could anybody respect that? All these Ray Leonard guys, how do you respect that? It, 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 to me, that's Bush League. But anyway, the fight happens. Ray doesn't get overwhelmed, but I don't think he wins many rounds at all. And this myth, this myth, this myth of how we change the philosophy of winning fights, how this guy Leonard, you know, those who defend him in the decision say, well, you know, Hagler gave away the first few rounds, the first two rounds, let's say, or the first four rounds or whatever it is. But lately it's been the first couple, the first three rounds. So let's take that. I mean, Floyd Mayweather Jr. easily dropped the first four or five rounds against Marcos Maidana, but uh, nobody's saying he should have lost. I mean, there are those who, you know, pick Maidana, but the majority thought Leonard won the second half of the fight. And I mean, Mayweather won the second half of the fight and won the fight. Same thing with Ward Kovalev. Ward built up a big lead, hugely, more than uh, easily won four of the first five rounds, probably bigger. But Andre Ward came back in the second half to win. That's what we hear. So why is this fight any different? Well, Ray, Ray Leonard always got different treatment, so I, I don't uh, deny it. But this other myth that he fought, Marvin fought orthodox in the first three or four rounds is not true. That third round, there were people all over social media today, yeah, he threw the first three rounds by fighting orthodox. He did not. The third round, he switched to lefty, and if you actually sit there and watch that round, that round was Marvin's. Now, I scored this fight a million times. The closest I ever had, Leonard, was 7-5. to five. Typically, I scored 8-4, giving him the first, the second, the fourth, and the sixth. And that's, those are the, the sixth was probably his best round, and besides the first couple where not much was really going on. But that third round, I did not fight orthodox. He turned southpaw and won the round. Even Gil Clancy said, well, you know, the, the second round was a little, the third round was a little closer. And, you know, you know, Clancy, you know, he was a Leonard guy. He never rooted for Hagler. And uh, so, I mean, I, your defense is not in even, even in keeping to what actually happened. If you don't, if you want to say that Hagler fought the first four rounds in the orthodox style, you don't even, you, you you're proving you're not even watching the fight because he turned southpaw in that third round. And uh, Eric from New Jersey, who does the uh, MMA shows with me, <laughs> said, regardless of anything else, if you gave Leonard round three, you should stop watching boxing because you're wasting your time. Hagler won round three. So let's give Leonard round four, which I thought was kind of close. I mean, the hardest punches he he landed in that round were low blows, two very hard low blows. 
one via the bolo punch and one that was very calculated. If you look, Leonard steps back. It was one of the few times he actually stepped back and put some real power in his punch and went downstairs on Marvin. And then, of course, you got dopey Barry Tompkins saying, oh, he wound up and hit him in the stomach with the bolo punch. Again, if you don't see those two clear low blows and you're proving you're not really watching the fight. And Tim Ryan, uh, one of the more respected uh, broadcasters, if you listen to him, he either scored the fight for Hagler or scored it a draw because after 10 rounds, he said, I have Hagler up 5-4-1. But people might be caught up in watching emotion rather than what's actually happening. I mean, he knew that right then and there. There was no retrospect. He knew it. And he probably knew 5-4-1 was way too close. And then for whatever reason, he scores the uh, 11th round for Leonard because, uh, I don't know, he was running and he threw some quick flurries. I mean, ignoring all the the, the, the jabs and body shots Hagler was landing. And round 12, practically everybody gave to Hagler. So we never really found out, at least I never really found out how Ryan scored that round 12. But if he gave it to Ray to draw, if he gave it to Hagler like most people did, He's got Hagler winning a narrow decision. Although the footnote to that is uh, Lou Frippo, the one guy who did score the fight for Hagler, for whatever reason, gave the 12th round to Leonard. I don't know what that was about, but other than that, his scorecard was good. But I don't know. And uh, Ring Magazine has an article in their the latest written by Tom Gray. About this fight, Tom Gray re-watches re- the fight, scores the fight, 115-114 for Leonard. But he also reveals that there was, a, and I didn't know about this. Uh, I don't buy Ring Magazine or follow it religiously anymore. I do buy it once in a while when I can get my hands on it. And I was glad I got my hands on this one because I want to talk about something else in this magazine a little bit later on. But... Apparently, there was Ring conducted some kind of a poll on Twitter recently and had fans vote in. And more people voted for Hagler. Hagler won the poll. But of course, in the world we live in, where we suck up to Sugar Ray Leonard for whatever damn reason, I don't know. He also had to throw in there, well, Hagler won the poll, but it wasn't exactly one-sided. The duh. I mean, you're talking about a fight that was given... Uh, to a guy that won by the, the judge's standpoint, most people that were in the arena that night, Chevy Chase, all those morons were jumping up and down, dopey Gene Hackman cheering for Leonard. They all thought he won. But a poll comes out that Hagler gets more votes in, but oh, it wasn't exactly one-sided. The only crime Marvin Hagler committed in that fight was he didn't knock the guy out. And for that, you know, even I give Leonard credit the guy has the greatest lateral movement I've ever seen. But lateral movement enough is not enough rather to win rounds. And he did it in the, one of the biggest rings I've ever laid my eyes on. Huge ring. So I, I, I just don't get it. I see some people say, I don't understand what the controversy is. Leonard won clearly. Oh, wow. I never hear anybody tell me the round breakdown. And all the Leonard guys, all I ever say is, well, Hagler gave away too many early rounds by fighting orthodox. Never did I ever hear them give me their round breakdown. 
I don't know. And if it was, and if it was such a legitimate score, why was Jojo Gara, the guy who scored at 118 for 110, Leonard laughed out of the business and ex- exiled after that? If it was such a good score, if it was such a legitimate win for Leonard, I mean, we've had some horrendous decisions in boxing history. I can't think of many where the, the judge as a result of his scorecard, was exiled. If Leonard won that fight, why is 118-110 considered so ridiculous? Ridiculous to the point that the guy never could work again as a judge. I mean, we got guys walking around that scoring horrendous scorecards. And they, and they still get top assignments. So there you go. The crime of the century, April 6th, 1987. Should have been one at the at the very worst one fifteen one thirteen for Hackler. If you want to stretch it to five rounds for Leonard somewhere, I mean I, I don't get it, but four rounds and that fourth round could have gone to Marvin. If you want to be generous, I could argue nine three for for Hackler, and I'd be happy to sit down with anybody, anywhere, anytime, any day. I mean, Hagler landed the body shots. He out-jabbed Leonard. Out-jabbed him. That's clear. How do you come forward, make the fight, land the hardest shots, land hard body shots, and out-jab a guy who's considered the boxer and still somehow lose? Hopefully, we'll be back with Edna Cherry after this. Welcome to the fight of the week. I'm Don Dunphy, your ringside commentator. Tonight at the Philadelphia Arena, champion Harold Johnson of Philadelphia defends his light heavyweight title against Doug Jones of New York over 15 rounds or less. The 33-year-old Johnson is one of boxing's most skilled performers, whether as a heavy or a light heavyweight. He won the title by knocking out Jesse Bowdry and defended it successfully against Von Clay and Eddie Cotton. In the heavier ranks, he owes victories over such as Desert Charles and Eddie Machen. Appearing in 75 bouts, he has won 67 and lost eight. back with the show. It's boxing talk, of course. A little riled up. You know, I usually don't get this emotional. Uh, Edna did not answer his phone, and uh, I'm really not in the mood to uh, keep trying. As I said before, I uh, did not hear from him today. I did communicate with him yesterday, and uh, yesterday early, and throughout the day, actually, after the, the fight with Douglas, but uh, not answering his phone now, so we'll see. I'll give him one more chance. Ronnie, yes, it is scheduled to come on a little bit later on, and I did talk to Ronnie today, so that should be all good. 
So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I, I don't understand uh, this whole. I, I never understood Ray Leonard's nonsense. I mean, uh, I was never feeling seven up. I said that several times. Not a big fan of his at all. Uh, but that the you know the Thomas Hearns fight was stopped way way too early. Uh, Duran, you know, when everything was all even up, Duran beat him up pretty good. Second fight was a bit of a mystery, and another thing that has blown has been blown way out of the proportion. This idea that Leonard had this huge, tremendous lead and was making Duran look foolish is not in keeping with reality. Now I know sometimes you know you can't do this, but I mean if you just look at the scorecards of that fight, the scorecards were close. Leonard had a couple of moments there with the with the shuffle and the sticking out of the face and, and all the things that don't win rounds. He had those moments where he was clowning to death. Clown, clowning does not win rounds, people. But, you know, those are the clips they play over and over again. Never really hurt Duran in that fight. Why, well, you know, Duran quit fair and square. I get it. And by the way, never said no moss. Supposedly. I've always read different stories about that over the years. But it goes to show you what a phony Leonard is because now recently he's on board with this I never heard him say no mas. But I remember watching him in an interview years ago when he was describing it. And he's like, yeah, well, I don't know Spanish, so I wasn't really sure what no mas meant at the time. Complete and utter phony Ray Leonard. Last year at the Boxing Hall of Fame, he was there, Eric and I. Didn't even go near him. Wouldn't even look at him. I spit on your autograph. Total waste. But now let's get back to some sort of uh, professionalism. And just look at all the people over the years that have said that they thought Hagler won. Al Bernstein, Carlos Palomino, Emmanuel Stewart before he passed, Kevin Rooney, Michael Marley, Don King. I don't know what kind of word he has. All had all had Agler winning. Yeah, I could name a, a million more, but those are the guys. And Frank Baltazar thought Hagler won, and and he said it beautifully. He's like, all right, if you if you count the pity pat shine punches, then letting wins the fight. But those, I don't count those, and neither do I. Neither should anybody. So I, I mean. Uh, Obviously, we have to live with it. It'll never be changed. But the good news there is there's more smart people out there than dumb based on that Twitter poll. And I'll line up with the opinions of Al Bernstein, Carlos Palomino, Manuel Stewart, Kevin Rooney, Frank Baltazar. I'll line up with those guys. Although you can't always agree with anybody. That, that, that's the shining moment there. That, that's when you know, when you're not uttering rhetoric that you just sort of like adapted and believed over the years that actually happened. Well, he gave away too many of the early rounds. He fought orthodox the first four rounds. None of that isn't keeping with how you score rounds. All right, maybe. I, I didn't score the first two rounds for him. Okay. But the fight's over. There's no chance to win. That third round, he went south for and won. I know I keep repeating myself, but people don't seem to get it. They didn't see it. It didn't happen. 
right, one more time for <laughs> Edna Cherry, and uh, if not, well, I'll talk about the next thing uh, that I wanted to talk about in Ring Magazine. But let's try Edna one more time because I do want to talk to him. In the meantime, listen to the greatest whoever did it. No, Cam, tell us at what point the fight is ended. But anyway, it is another knockout for Marvin Hagler. He's scored 36 knockouts now in 47 fights. He's won 44, lost two with one draw. And it is... Here's the announcement. Unable to continue the winner by a knockout in the seventh round, Marvis, Marvin Hagler. Marvin Hagler, and they have decided that the knockout was in the seventh round because the sixth round has other. Hagler making a speech up there. I can't hear what he's saying with the crowd yelling. Hagler's got the microphone, and he's making some speech. He has... what you said for uh, television. I want Hugo Carl. I've been fighting all the best in the world right now. Now I know that I'm ready for Hugo Carl. Nobody has stopped Wooly Warren. The man is tough. He fought Benny Briscoe, fought Seals. He fought Antifomio. I can't figure how they get a shot with Antifomio in there before me. But I'm looking for Hugo Carl because I believe the man's a sissy. And I'll tell it to his face if I can find him. The man's a sissy. That's what I have to say. I'd like to say thanks to all my fans who come down and to all my fans in New Jersey, my son in New Jersey, my grandmother, and to the rest of the world out there. I will be the next middleweight champion. Thank I'll you. tell you this much. You fought like a champion. You That's threw right. everything at him. He's tough. He's tough, as you Nobody know. Nobody knocked this man out. That's right. That. And you stopped him right there. That's right. Now. I wanted to put his lights out, though. Can you contain the frustration of not getting a title shot and oh, keep yeah. it going? Keep oh, it yeah. going for yourself. Oh, yeah. Till I get... Hugo Carl. That's my destiny. I wanted Valdez before the old man today. Ain't no reason why Valdez should have had a return match. It wasn't in the clause. He should fight a good ranking champion like myself, the number one contender in the world. That's who he should fight. Hope you get the chance. Thank you. Marvin, great fight. We'll return to the Boston Garden after this word from your local station. Welcome back to Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you sweet science straight up with no twist. Uh, no deal on Edna Cherry. I apologize for that. That's why we always say these uh, guests are scheduled to appear uh, because you just don't know. Maybe uh, we can get them on at a later date. Uh, but uh, maybe I'll get Jeff Bumpus on here and, and get him involved in this because it's an interesting uh Topic I want to talk about in the uh, Ring uh, magazine. Uh, so let's. Uh, Jeff sent me a message uh, now uh, that he's available to come on. So let's get Jeff on. While I'm uh, setting that up, I'll, I'll keep talking. Joey I, he's another uh, very uh, well versed, high boxing IQ guy. And he, he, you know, he, he knows Hagler won that fight. So there you go. But uh, and let, let's not 
hop on it too much uh, because you know if you haven't gotten it by now you're not going to you're going to be a sugar ray Leonard hump your whole life and think you won that fight i get it i'm not going to convince you but let's look at what he you know how he handled a contemporary of his somebody that was clearly on his level as a fighter he knew it and he didn't like it so look at how he handled uh dealing with a contemporary with Hagler embarrassed him by inviting him to his uh, retirement party, uh, you know, insinuating that it wasn't going to be a retirement party. It was considered to be an announcement. And since Hagler was there front and center requested by Leonard himself, everybody was anticipating as they were for a long time then that they were going to fight each other and basically embarrass the guy. Uh, That fight will never happen. You know, and it, the way I understand the story, Leonard uh, wasn't sure what he was going to do up until the moment that he did it. He wasn't sure if he was going to say he was going to fight or that, but I don't buy that. He said that. he was a, This guy never did anything on the fly. This guy was as calculated as anybody in the, in the sport, as a fighter for sure. He knew he was going to embarrass Hagler. And then to, to think, give Hagler the impression that they were sitting down talking over i think it was lunch just as two contemporaries hopefully friends with mark that, that was one of Margaret's biggest flaws he always wanted to be liked by leonard why i don't know but uh, the idea that uh you know Hagler revealed to him something that he probably wasn't ready to reveal to too many people that uh, emotionally he was spent he wanted to get out of the fight game and what's leonard's response with better time to fight him that douchebag smile I mean how do you even how how do you like the guy based on that that's my question I mean for years people wanted to fight and Leonard didn't want anything to do with it now I mean how is that not nothing but a dick move from a total dick somebody who's not a total dick is Jeff Bumpus let's see if he could come on and save me from myself One week before the fight, Foster is seen here training. This could be Bob's toughest title defense in the four years that he's been World Light Heavyweight Champion. Foster won the title with a spectacular one-punch KO over Dick Tiger in New York City four years ago. All righty, so we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to get to Ronnie Eschert in about 15 minutes. He's scheduled to appear but uh, before then, we're going to go ringside with Jeff Bumpus a little early. And, and uh, you know, Jeff and Ronnie have uh, a connection, so he's going to stay on for that as, as well, I believe. Uh, but, Jeff, uh, before we get into what I wanted to bring up, uh, you, you've been listening. What do you have to say about this? Am I way off base? No, I don't think so. I never thought Hagler lost that fight, uh, you know. You're a little, you're a little mean to poor Sugar Ray, but <laughs> it's uh, perfectly understandable. Because well, somebody I, has but... to be. Somebody has to be. <laughs> I mean, how, I how do you condone? How do you condone? I mean, as a fighter, Jeff, you sit down and you reveal yourself to another fighter who you think is your friend, who you think is way past interested in fighting anymore. <laughs> 
And you grab that as an opportunity to challenge him, knowing his manhood is not going to allow him to turn it down, which is probably what he should have did. Uh, what I heard was that uh, uh, Richard Sandoval was the first one. Uh, Marvin was having trouble pulling the trigger. You know, I mean, it, it happens when you, and it especially happens when you lose interest. And Marvin's losing interest. You know, he doesn't think he's going to get this Leonard fight. He, he's just kind of, uh, well, you know, there really isn't anybody around here to seriously get me going. There's no more Hearns. There's no more, you know, Hearns is up at light heavy. You know, there's nobody really to generate that much rage and that much interest in me. And, and, uh, I I think that uh, he had more than run his course, and and now I'm sure he wishes he just he had just retired. But uh, Leonard wanted to limit the exchanges, and the, you know that 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 much was obvious. You, you you've got to limit the exchanges because you can't exchange with the guy, and then you want to try and impress idiots, uh, the, the the three blind mice at ringside. By those, by the shoe shine stuff, it looked really great and and, and uh, really impressive. And wow, he's really really doesn't win rounds, end. does it? Does it win rounds, it, Jeff? It, it shouldn't. It, it the shouldn't. sticking out it your face with a dopey grin that he learned from Muhammad Ali and shuffle. Does any of that win rounds? It's low yeah, blows it win shouldn't. rounds. It shouldn't, shouldn't. But you know that there's <laughs> that there's three idiots at ringside who control the fate of everybody who ever has ever worked there, hind and off for something that they're you know that they really deserve. And and well, like I said, there's there's three idiots that are in control of everything. And if you leave it in their hands, then you know it's it's not going to turn out well for you. I can tell you that much for sure because yeah. I left it I left it in their hands way too often. Yeah, he's another guy that uh, I'd rather have on my side, and especially if anybody who read your book, Becoming Taz, Writing from the South for Stance, knows that you are a boxing lifer and very knowledgeable, knows what they're looking at. So, And you and I have never had this conversation. I had no idea. You could have been a Leonard Hump, too, for all I know, and then we would have had a really fun show. But uh, another guy that says it. So, I mean, you know... And right on cue, I think this is Edna Cherry calling in, Mr. Bumpus. So if you want to hang there out for go. that, uh, but the, the, thank oh, you, Jeff. Uh, if you want to, if you have some questions for him too, I'll, I'll throw you on. But uh, without further ado, since we're getting close to Ronnie, yes, it's just when I was getting going well. But Edna, is that you? Yes, sir. How you doing? All righty, Mr. Edna Cherry. Better late than never. How's it going? Man, everything's going pretty good. Just- just hanging in there, that's all. All righty. So thank you for coming on. I, I don't think we've ever had a fighter on in the history of Zoot's Boxing Talk come on okay. so close to after a fight. You just fought Tuesday. Yeah. You're on here Thursday. I think that's a record. So thank you for yeah, that, yeah, and sir. congratulations on the, on the W. How do you feel? All right. Thank you very much. Oh, I, feel, I feel pretty good excited, and, uh, you know, I feel great, man. All right. Now, there's a lot of controversy with the decision. Close decision goes your way. You've been on the other side of that many times. You fight 
What hey uh, Pedraza, I thought you won fairly easily. Yeah. This one, uh, I, I didn't sit down and score it, but watching it, uh, you know, if you won the fight, I think you won it in those early rounds. I, I really, I got to be honest, that was hard for me to find a round for you, eight through ten. Uh, but the uh-huh. close rounds, uh, close rounds, but I thought he won the last few rounds, which, uh, you know, yeah. people have short memories. A lot of people might think that he won the fight. Uh, when the bell rung, did you think you won? Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, if you uh, if you if uh, people sit down and watch the fight, it'll pay attention. Like his little moments here and there, and that's it. He will have a little moment, like for a few whatever. Then he will he will run this and that. He will he will box and this and that. But uh, but uh, I think I was more. You know what I'm saying? I was. I would say he had a good jab. But he would use it here and there, you know what I'm saying? But he, it wasn't like he was using it like constantly, constantly. But just like what I said, he he had a he, he had a little moment, and um, you know, I think I threw more jabs, and uh, you know, when we in the clinches, uh, I think I threw more punches. Um, I think I was more um, uh, I think I was more busier. Right, and a lot of times towards the end of the round, he was catching you with a pretty decent left hook. Uh, at least it looked yeah. like it scored well uh, on on television. Uh, were you ever hurt by his power? Nah, nah, no sir. You know, you know, uh, especially like when he see when he threw his left hook, some of them land and some of them some of them didn't land. So that's what I was looking at. So you know, you have to look at that. That was his little moments. That was his little moments right there. And then after that, then he just back off and start running and boxing and that was it and so so how could you give somebody the win if he if he looked good for if he looked good for a couple of seconds and you know don't do anything else and just run and just try to keep trying to win by points but uh you know it was a you know it was a great fight you know what I'm saying I you know what I'm saying I took my hat off to Douglas uh you know uh, he you know Douglas came prepared uh you know he you know, he came to try to win because, you know, he came from a loss, so he didn't want to have another loss on his record back to back. So um, so that's why he came prepared. He, he tried everything. Um, then at the same time, I think try to survive also to try to box and, and uh, don't try to engage the whole lot. Now, have have you had a chance to watch the fight? Is that something that you often do, watch your performance afterwards? Uh, if so, have you been able to oh, watch that fight? I, I just watched some of it, but I didn't sit down and really, really watch it because uh, when I was uh, when I was going back home, I was watching, like, little, some of it. And, you know, I was just, I said, man, you know, you know, while I was watching, I said, okay. Like, when you watch it on, when, when you sit down and watch it on TV and, and, and standing out there watching, he's like, man, okay, yeah, he had a little moments here and there, and you know, but you know, it was a, it was a great fight, man. You know what I'm saying it was, it was good, man. A lot of people on social media thought Douglas won. What's your message to them, Edna? And you know what, you know the, uh, you know the people out there, they not, they not in there, uh, fighting boxing. Um, you know the judges have the final the final say. So whoever the uh, whoever their like their score call whatever you don't you don't know what you don't know what's going on on the on the judges' uh, mind. And um, but you know so so I think the judges seen it the right 
like the right way, like it's supposed to go, just like just like what I said. He had a little moment here and there. It it doesn't mean I mean it didn't I mean it wasn't like Douglas was was fighting a whole three minutes every every round. It just was like you fight here and then, and that was it. But the but the um, judges seeing what they what they seen. Hey, I was you know I was pressing. I was I was fighting, and you know he was he, he was boxing, and I was. But especially, especially the jab, I was, you know, I was working, you know what I'm saying? Especially I was working my jab. Yeah, doesn't he had a good little jab, you know what I'm saying? But it wasn't enough for him to, like, hey, to win, you know what I'm saying? All righty. And, and I admire you because when this happened to you with Pedraza, I thought you clearly won. You, you oh, didn't yeah, yeah, cry yeah. robbery. You, you, you took it. You said, hey, you know, you didn't make a big deal about being robbed, which most people thought you were. I'm sure you thought you did, but you yeah. took the judge's decision and you went with it. Now, in in some ways, I admire that, and I admire you being consistent with that. But in other ways, aren't we letting these judges get off the hook? I, I mean, if Douglas really thought he lost, I mean, I know there's not much to say about it. And if you really thought you lost when you fought Pedraza, should by paid professionals say something else? Isn't that a big problem? A problem that has uh, lost a lot of fans over the years in boxing. Well, you know, you know, you know, with the Pedraza uh, fight, uh, I think you know, I I think I won. And uh, you know, just like when they gave him the fight, and you know, I thought, you know what, I'm not gonna let that. Let that uh bring me down. Uh, I'm not gonna let that let that stop me. I'm gonna go back to the gym. You know, if he you know if he gave me a rematch, hey, we will we will we will take it. But he but he never gave it to me. So, uh, you know, just like just like what I said, you know, judges, you know, we we never know what the judges be thinking. We never know what the judges what's on their mind. So that's why sometimes you you could not leave the fight. In the uh, uh, judge's hand, so that's why you have to go there, go in there, and just try to knock the knock knock the person out or win it big, and you know, you know where you will where you will guarantee where you guarantee that way, especially like if a person holding that title, it's like it things that you have to do like extra, like you know what I'm saying, like beat them. I mean, like beat down where they where they won't really take that fight from you. Yeah, now you're a guy that has had a lot of adversity to overcome bad decisions doesn't even cover it for you. I mean, you've had uh, big fights uh, with uh, people such as Ray Beltran uh, canceled because of injuries, a a lot of stuff. And uh, the broadcast was saying at one point you expressed frustration to the point that uh, you don't even know why you're doing this anymore. So I want to know if that's accurate, if you actually voiced those frustrations, and do you consider this at, at this moment in time uh, your biggest victory? Yeah, um, you know what I'm saying. Oh, I, I don't want to think I, I had it mentioned like you know what I'm saying, like all, all frustration, and I don't want to do this anymore, this and that. But you know, but you know, then, you know, at the uh, end of the day, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I just want to thank God for that, for that, for that victory. You know what I'm saying it just opened doors for me, and. Uh, and you know, uh, you know, every day, you know, when I'm in the gym, you know, then I, you know, then I push myself, man. And, you know, and you know that that's a, something that I love, that I love to do. And, you know, that you know my, you know, then my family pushing my kids. Oh, uh, that's why, that's why I'm, that's why I'm keep on going. You know, what I'm saying, 
It's like I'm not to put myself down, and I'm not, I'm not like saying, oh man, I don't want to do this no more, this and that. And, you know what I'm saying? That's not me. <clears throat> All right, because that's what the broadcast led me to believe. Maybe I misunderstood. But uh, this victory does open the doors. There was a lot at stake here. So tell everybody, what what do you think is lined up next for you and how soon? Oh, man, you know what? You know, know, just like this year, before this year over with, at least I want to fight like twice, two more times. And, you know, I'm just leaving it up, leaving it up to my manager, um, uh, you know, like they know what's best, and uh, you know what I'm saying. Just like, just like I don't, I don't turn no to, I, I don't turn nobody down. Uh, so whoever, whoever uh, they they get next for me, man, I'll be, I'll be ready, man. And you know, probably next four or five months, man, whatever, whatever they they get. I don't know, I don't know how long. You know what I'm saying, but you know, you know, you know, for me, I'm a, I'm a fighter, man. So that's that's what I do. That's fight. But the only thing though, they have to do is. Just to uh, get the fight in line for him. That's all. Is there a, a rematch with Douglas? Does that have any realistic uh, connections to it? Nah, and if I'm so, not. are you open to it? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Nah, I don't think it's a, it's a rematch. I mean, there's there's nothing really in line. There's nothing. Uh, just you know, what I'm saying if it was if it was like a title, or whatever. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It it doesn't mean nothing. You know what I'm saying like the rematch it doesn't really mean nothing, man. It's like you know what I'm saying I'm looking for something big, I'm looking for, for like oh give you know, giving the rematch it's just like okay. It is there gotcha. there is to it, you know what I'm saying? That that I'm, Right. Well, it's kind of like, you know, maybe a rematch down the road if you're defending your title and he's earned a shot. Then maybe then we could see a rematch. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah definitely. Some, you know, you <laughs> Like that, yeah, yes, but like right now, no, you know what I'm saying, and but um, if it if it if it if it's something worth it, yeah, but it's right now, it's not in it it's nothing there to you know, there's really there's something there to fight for, like, right? It's time to move forward, way. I got you, yeah. All right, good stuff there, uh, Edna Cherry. Uh, let me bring in Jeff Bumpus real quick. I don't know if he has any comments or questions for you. Jeff is a, a former fighter as well. Uh, Jeff, you're on the air. Jeff? Apparently not. All right. Well, Jeff is gone. So uh, we're going to get to Ronnie Yesid in a few, Edner. So uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, such short of, uh, of a time. Uh, we have some yeah. uh, big boxing. Mean, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we have some big boxing uh coming up uh, a lot of good stuff on uh, tv a lot of big fights announced uh are, are, you, are you a big fight fan edner are you looking forward to lomachenko sosa this weekend a big fight do you do you oh, watch man, what's that, out there that, yeah that'll be that'll be a good fight man oh i know lomachenko man he's man he's talented i mean he gets everything man oh uh, and oh uh, i think uh lomachenko will pull it out and um and you know um uh, and you know, you know what I'm saying. I'm looking forward to it, man. You know what I'm saying. I'm looking forward to watching it and and see. And, you know, see All righty. So good stuff there. So I kind of asked this already, but if you had your way, when does Edna Cherry lace up the gloves again? How soon do you want your next fight to be? Um, hopefully, hopefully in August, September, man. You know what I'm saying that will give me enough time to rest to get back. You know, you know what I'm saying to get back. You know what I'm saying to get back. 
get back in the gym or get prepared, you know, August, September, you know. Right, right. And August, I know in the past – Good, good. Well, we would love to see yeah. you that soon. And I know in the past you've had uh, visa issues, issues with getting into the, the country with other fights. I think it was Daniel Edward where you had issues with the, with the fight with him. Uh, that's all. That, that's all by the boards now, right? You're a U.S. citizen now. Is that is that report accurate? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'm a, a U.S. citizen right now. Uh, I became a U.S. U.S. citizen this year. Um, uh, you know, now nah, it was last. Last year, when I should, uh, became a uh, became a became a U.S. citizen, so I'm great. You know what I'm, I'm happy. Uh, less stress now, so you know what I'm saying. So it's good, man. Become a U.S. citizen of the United States. All right, thank you, sir. Edna Cherry, thank you for coming on. Uh, now's the time for you to make some closing remarks. Any social media, anybody you want to give special thanks to? Uh, thank you for coming on again. Looking forward to seeing you fight. And uh, now's the time for your final wor- words. Yeah, I just want to thank all my fans out there for believing in me. You know, I just want to thank the ones that out there that don't believe in me, that don't, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I just want to thank everyone, man. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm blessed. You know, I just want to thank y'all. Continue. You know what I'm saying? I want to continue to have y'all support, continue to push me, continue to believe in me. You know, I just I just want to thank every everyone around the world for y'all the support. All righty, sir, and thank you, and you have a good rest of your evening. Edna Cherry, glad we got this one in. Talk to you soon, my man. All right, you too. All right, thank you. All right, good stuff there. We lost Jeff. I don't know if we'll get him back soon, but uh, we're going to take a quick break and get Mr. Ronnie Essen on right after this. Neither is going down at this point, but there goes the sister on the left hook, and he is really hurting. He's on his right side. We are back, Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you your sweet science straight up with no twists. And if you're a fan of the show, follow me on Twitter at Zoot29, that's capital Z, lowercase U-T-E, the number is 29. You could follow the show on blog, talk, radio, Zoots Boxing Talk. You could also subscribe to the show on iTunes, Zoots Boxing Talk, put it in the search bar and uh, subscribe, and then you can get the show archived on all your Apple devices. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, uh, email me at zootsboxingtalk at yahoo.com and go to ringsidereport.com and maxboxing.com for all your boxing fixers and boxing fixes. And I don't say that just because I am a contributor there, well, partially, but they also have some great stuff from other writers as well. And if you're looking for a good boxing book to curl up with, during these uh, April days, or maybe in the summer, I got a couple for you. Obviously, becoming Taz, writing from the Southpaw Stance uh, by Jeff Bumpus. Hey, his book and George Chavalo's book are probably my two favorite books written by fighters themselves. And then you have uh, John Responte and Dennis Taylor uh, wrote Intimate Warfare, the true story of the Arturo Gotti Mickey Ward boxing trilogy. And a, a book that I just finished reading recently, A Fire Burns Within by Christian Giudice, a story of Wilfredo Gomez, 
And what an exciting fighter he was to watch. He didn't uh, leave it into the judges' hands too many times. And I will be writing a review of that book and having Christian on, as I have had him on a couple of times in the past. He's written a book about Roberto Duran and Alexis Arguello, and he knocks it out of the park again with Wilfredo Gomez. And he's another man who has knocked it out of the park all of his pugilistic life, a decorated amateur a wonderful professional fighter, and now he gives back to the boxing community with all his great knowledge and in better shape than most 20-year-olds. I'm talking about none other than Ron Essett, the dragon. Thank you. finally got you, you, Ron. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be on the talk box, and it's one of my favorite subjects, so... There you go. Whatever questions you want to ask. Thank you, thank you. So the the first thing I want to get into, Ron, is uh, your amateur career. Uh, Talk a little bit about it, how you got started. I mean, you were an amateur during one of the more uh, prestigious times in American uh, boxing. You were an alternate for the 84 Olympic team. So give us a little backstory and uh, some of your better fights, uh, some of the guys that you knew, some good stories from that, those days of your amateur careers. Well, I started boxing when I was 13 years old after watching the 1976 Olympics. Uh, so I really, Howard Davis was my favorite fighter in the 76 Olympics, ironically so. After that, I want to start started boxing. So uh, I just uh, kept my heart at it. Then I ended up winning the 1982 National Amateur Boxing Federation Championships in my hometown of Indianapolis, Indiana. Then I won the National Golden Gloves in St. Louis, Missouri in 1984 to qualify for the Olympic trials. I was in camp with with a young Mike Tyson, Tyrell Biggs, Mark Breland, uh, Pernell Whitaker, Jerry Page, Meldrick Taylor. At that time, the 84 uh, team that we were putting together was loaded with awesome talent. Definitely, definitely. And uh, let's backtrack a minute, Ron. Because I'm sure there were um, thousands of other youngsters who watched that 76 Olympics and wanted to become a boxer as well. What did you have? What did you bring to the table that made you succeed at it, both as an amateur and a professional? Well, I think it was my determination. I think, uh, you know, people always said, oh, he's too slow. He don't move fast enough. I think I was determined. I think when people underestimated me, that gave me that extra boost. So I think one of the one of my strengths was the the fact that when people underestimated me, that made me work that much harder. So I always want just want to prove that I didn't have to be a great boxer, but I want to be a competent boxer. So that was my goal to prove that I was a competent boxer. And you certainly achieved that goal, Ron. Now, what about the name The Dragon, before I forget? A great nickname. Uh, how did you get it, and when did you get it? 
I started using the dragon in the early 80s, and I got it from Wolfred the Dragon Benitez. Wolfred Benitez. That's you know he won the title at 17 years like 17 years of age. So I was a big big admirer of Wilfred Benitez. He's my favorite fighter outside of Ali. So that's who I stole that nickname from, Wilfred the Dragon Benitez. All righty, good stuff there. And uh, with you being uh, part of such a great, talented crop of uh, amateur boxers, American boxers at that time, and you just ran off a bunch of the names, we all know them. Uh, can you share a story or two about uh, the interaction that you had with one of those? What was your, what's your favorite story from those days? Well, my, well one of my favorite stories was just, just being at the Olympic, the, the Olympic training center in Colorado Springs, watching Tyrell Biggs spar with Mike Tyson, watching Pernell Whitaker spar with guys, watching Mark Breland spar with guys, just being around that atmosphere with with everybody just striving to be the best. So once you're around that atmosphere, it just pushes you harder. So that was one of the great experiences of going to see all these top-level fighters training and sparring and trying to make the Olympic team. So that's one of my greatest memories in my career. All righty. Thank you. And, uh, I mean, uh, Tyson, he, he is one of the biggest names ever. You mentioned Ali. I think it's a, uh, you know, he, he's one of the guys that rivals Ali in terms of popularity, in terms of recognition. Uh, when you first saw Tyson, did you know he was going to be something special? No, there, there's really no way to predict what uh, what Tyson turned into. He was a raw, strong young kid. He was not grown men at 16 years of age. So you knew he had the awesome power, but he hadn't been refined yet. So as a professional, once people were able to refine his skills, that's when he took it to a whole different level. But overall, Tyson was an immature young kid uh, around wrong men just right, trying right. to make his way. He had Customata with him, who was a good guidance for him. So Tyson was just a hard worker, had nothing but trying to make the Olympics on his mind. He lost to Henry Tillman in the box offs. Uh, to make the Olympics, but uh, he put a good effort in, and uh, he was always just a good, hard-fighting guy, you know, pushing his best. All righty. Now, I already mentioned that you were an alternate for the 84 Olympic team, and from what I understand, you almost made it onto the team. Is that accurate? You almost got to fill the shoes of, I believe it was Virgil Hill. Yeah, Virgil Hill had got sick while we were in Los Angeles, but he was able to recuperate. But uh, they were going to let me fight in the 165-pound weight class, uh, you know, because I had lost to Frank Tate at 156, but Virgil was 165. So if Virgil wasn't able to, wasn't able to compete, they was going to let me fight at the 165. But I'm such good friends with Virgil that I'm glad that he was able to compete and win and take home that silver medal. So 
things worked out the way they were supposed to. All righty, and uh, you know, no surprise in knowing your character that you would say that. Okay, now Olympics are over, amateur career is over. You decide to turn pro. Talk a little bit about the transition from amateur to pro. Well, the transition was, uh, you know, getting, 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 getting a serious mindset. You know, because the amateurs was about fun for me. But once you go into the professional ranks, you got to be more of a businessman and more, you had to put more into it, more rounds and things of that nature. Amateur boxing was fun, but amateur, but professional boxing, you had to treat it like a business. So that was the biggest thing, turning it from fun into a business proposition. Now, one of the, one of the things that I, I like best about watching you fight is your one-two, your jab straight right hand. When you were clicking, it was a thing uh, of beauty. Uh, did, did, did that sequence of punches did that come natural to you? Yeah, it was pretty much a natural, uh, a natural thing. I just had a good right hand behind the jab, so it was you know it was one of the things that I was best known for. I was known as just a basic fighter, you know, good one-two, good one-two. So that's what everybody knew me as. So, uh, yeah, so that just was a natural natural gift for me to have that one-two. And I thought you had a, a pretty unique stance, uh, Ron, where your, your elbows were pretty much pinned by your waist and your hands were... Oh, you know, your arms were long enough to keep your guard up in that position. Uh, not many fighters could look, uh, could fight in that posture. And quite frankly, it looked like you were uncomfortable in that stance. I, I mean, I know you weren't, but it certainly looked like it. Uh, talk a little bit about uh, how you how you adopted that stance. Uh, basically, my stance was was the one that I seen from a lot of the international fighting competitions how uh, the international fighters would be successful the Cubans the Russians the way they fall so I tried to adapt my style to uh, the ways that would be successful in the international realm of fighting so that's how I came up with that particular style all righty, good stuff there. I mean, you had a a pretty successful, uh, lengthy career. You were in a lot of tough fights. Is there one win, one victory, or one performance that you had that stands out above all the others in your mind? As an amateur, as a pro, as a professional. Uh, well, I I think the 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 win that really was. It's two of them that stand out to me. The first one is the is the Sandlin Lion Williams fight when I had to fight that thirteenth sudden death round. Mm. You know, I was I was I was dead tired after twelve rounds, and then we had to fight a thirteenth sudden death round. So that was that would be the, my number one accomplishment. Just, just that I was able to suck it up and fight that 13 round. And my next biggest accomplishment I feel is beating Robbie Sims 
the guy who beat uh, Iran Barkley, Roberto Duran, and fought, you know, Iran Barkley and fought tough fights against a lot of guys. So that was a really good win for me against Robbie Sim. Yeah, and that was a, a brutal fight. I mean, you hit him with a lot of hellacious punches. He hit you. What some big punches with that? Was that the most uh, punishment that you, you, you took in a, a fight? I mean, over ten rounds. That was that, that was a USA fight. I remember that well. That that was that was a tough fight. Yeah, it was a brutal fight, you know. And uh, like I like I tell everybody, it gave me nothing but totally some hellacious punches. And he came back and threw a lot of hellacious punches on his own. And we put on a really, really good, entertaining fight. So I was proud of that. Yes, definitely, definitely. So two good ones there. Uh, Is there one fight where if you could take it back and change something, uh, could you you tell us if a fight of of that nature exists? Yeah, it it was a fight I lost to a guy named Dale Jackson. He stopped me in the 10th round. What happened was uh, going into the weigh-in, I was like five pounds overweight. And his uh, manager at the time made me lose all five pounds within uh, like a couple hours. So I was just totally drained. So if I had that fight back, that's the one fight that I, you know, he ended up stopping me in the 10th round, but I was a dead man walking. So if I had to do that fight over again, I probably would tell him, no, I can't fight because I can't lose five pounds in mm-hmm. an hour. So. Right, right. And, uh, so I mean, sorry, go ahead. I said, and the rules were a lot different back in those days. You know, I, I don't think they would let anybody do nothing like that, you know, currently. Right, but, right. But, yeah, back in those days, uh, that's how it was done. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we'll get to get to a little bit more of the rules and what's going on today. A little bit uh, in, a, in a few, I should say. There's some other questions I have for you. Uh, the Doug DeWitt fight, a fight that was a draw, one of your more highly publicized, debated fights. Uh, talk a little bit about that fight. Did you feel you won that fight against Doug DeWitt? Yeah, I felt I won that fight. It was a good fight. Uh, Doug DeWitt. Uh... Is a very tough contender, and uh, I felt it was just a very tough uh, competitive fight. I thought uh, he came on in the later rounds, but I thought I had won enough for the early rounds uh, to take the decision. And uh, if there is one fighter, maybe there's not, I don't know, but uh, often asked this question, who, who do you think was the best fighter you ever faced? In the ring, in the ring, or in a in a in a fight, or just in the ring. Well, I, I was referring to your professional career, but if you have one that 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 trumps that, uh, <laughs> that you could share that as well. Well, I think I think you know uh, the best fight I fought was was probably uh, uh, I I say Robbie Sims overall. But the best fight I was ever in the ring with was Roy Jones Jr. 
Uh-huh, I spar uh-huh. six weeks. I spar six weeks with Roy Jones Jr. for the James Tony fight. Oh, okay. One of his best performances, too. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was it like sparring with him? It was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it was not. It was. It was nothing you look forward to every day. It I when the I the ideal job, but you know. Uh, I wanted Roy to do well in that fight. I, I spar with Roy as an amateur, and when he when they had the fight, I called up his manager and said, "Okay, I want to work with Roy to get him ready for James." So he he uh, he let me do it, and it turned out well. Thank God. All righty, I'm gonna uh, open up the mic, Ron, to uh, Jeff Bumpus, Jeff and yourself have fought on some of the same cards together over the years, and he was uh, very happy to know that you were coming on tonight. Uh, Jeff, are you there? I'm here. All right, you say Hello? take it away, Jeff. Ron, can you hear Jeff? Okay. Uh, I'm, yes, you, I can, can hear. you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Hi, Ronnie, how you doing? Uh, we met over good, in LA yeah. again uh, a couple of months back. Uh, I was yeah. just uh, looking at some of the uh, – the ring ratings for when you were the uh, uh, a contender, and all of the, all of the names, all of the Hall of Fame names on that list. On the internet. Uh, how how does it feel looking at that now, and comparing yourself and realizing you were among those? Uh, some of the names like uh, well. Hearns, you know Hearns, Duran, Duran uh, uh, Julian Jackson, uh, John Mugabe. Seeing those names, how, how does how, what what kind of perspective do you have on that now? Well, you know, I, I, I only tell people that I was blessed to be coming around in the great era of amongst great fighters, and just to even be on that list is a big, big honor for me. And yeah. this is one of, it's very I'm very proud of that. As you, as you should be. As you should be. Uh who would who among all of those fighters would you have liked to have gotten in the I mean one special name out of there that you just were just aching to to have on your on your record. Well, you know, everybody I tell people disagree with me all the time. But I would have liked to follow Roberto Duran. Mm-hmm. You feel like you would have matched up style-wise with him very well, or, or I do. Just uh, yeah. yeah, I I, I do, and plus I'm not a Duran fan. I was a I was very uh, <laughs> very disappointed when Duran quit against Leonard. You know. And I, it kind of ate at me for years and years and years. It still eats at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I have seen you every once in a while on uh, Facebook, and you 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 make that make that very plain. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's 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 very hard for uh, it's very hard for a fighter uh, when you when you idolize somebody like that and, and it feels like you've been let down when, when that happens. So yeah, I, I do understand what you're saying, but you know, fortunately he did have uh he did have a lot of redemption time and he seemed to seem to come out of it. Uh, 
Well, how do you how do you feel like how do you feel about uh, some of the some of the heavier punches? I mean, punchers in that uh, in that list of names, uh, Julian Jackson. Jeez, uh, he had some some call him the hardest puncher in boxing history. Now that's that's going a long ways, but you know you know how you know the internet is. Uh, how would you? How do you? How would you have gone about uh, someone who was a, a heavy-handed fighter, Mugabe, uh, uh, Julian Jackson? Would you have? Uh, would you have been willing to uh, step in and 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 bomb with them, or are you just strictly looking to uh, to uh, use your boxing advantages? Yeah, well, you know, here's a here's a crazy thing about me. I never feared big punchers. Uh, I spar with John Mugabe, and I would love to fight big punches because I felt that I have to, had the technical abilities to out outpoint them. Mm-hmm. So big punches were never fearful. Fear uh, to me, I was more more concerned with people that were great boxers, but big punches never, never feared at all. Right. Right. Now, I, I, what I remember about you, uh, we we fought on a lot of the same cards. I guess you could say locally, Indiana. You know, we're both Indiana guys. So, uh, I, what I remember about you was deadly, deadly seriousness about you. You 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 very rarely smiled and and didn't look like you were enjoying yourself too much because you were so intense. But it's it's not something that you can throw yourself into and not enjoy. So I, I know you were enjoying yourself, but where do you feel like you got your intensity, uh, your in, that that kind of intensity from? Yeah, uh, you, you credit a, a relative, or is it a trainer that that was uh, in your life, or is that just the way you are? No, well, I'm I'm really a very laid back guy. <laughs> But yeah, I guess, I, guess, <laughs> I guess I guess it was the danger element in boxing. I think mm-hmm. what what it is is I always said if you don't have fear in boxing, you'll never be very good. I guess it was the fear factor because I always had fear before I stepped into the ring. Right, always. What I found what I found that, that the fear was was it wasn't. Uh, it, the, it's not the fear of getting punched in the nose or, or something broken or something like that. You, you, if you sparred, it's already happened so many times. It's, it's you know, you've lost count. But what you fear is you, you fear losing. You fear all all the work that you've put in is going to go out the window if you let if you if you lose this fight. Or you fear of not performing like you practice. Or you know, like all those mouths you done ran, you know, all just wasted. So the yeah. fear of not performing is really the biggest, uh, the biggest explanation. You know, just not performing like you know you can. Yeah, and and, and you and you did, you did perform pretty well, pretty much every time I saw you. You're quite, you were quite a favorite on ESPN for a long time, and. Uh, I, I had a few ESPN fights myself, and I, I remember how excited I was to be there for that first time. But after that first time, it just it, it was just another. Uh, it, did you look at it that way also? Were, were, did, were you able to kick the jitters after the first one or two fights, and then it was just you know 
the cameras were just part of the audience? Yeah, I mean, you know, because as an amateur, we we fought on ABC Sports and all those things because we had access to those. You know, they were having a USA versus the world type thing where they showed a lot of our amateur fights on on ABC. So that kind of made me a little bit more comfortable being in front of TV and stuff. So I never had those jitters as a pro being on TV. Right. Now, now I've seen that uh, here here recently. You you've got uh, quite a following the the gym uh, in L.A. You're you're quite the uh, quite the trainer. Uh, do you have uh, some some good amateur prospects that you're that you're bringing along, or uh, are you strictly working with pros, or anybody that shows up you're willing to you're willing to work with? Well, he, he, the 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 type of uh boxing uh, business I'm in now is just boxing for fitness. So a lot of those, a lot of people who just want to take up a boxing routine and don't want to compete. So right now that's what I'm currently doing, training people that are just boxing for fitness, not with any desire to compete. So that's who I'm working with now. Those are the type of people I'm working with now. And and that's a good and that's and that's a great thing and that's part of the that's part of uh, uh, boxing that y- you can go as far as you want to go and no farther or you can keep trying to go as far as as and and it's and it's honorable to be training people and and helping them get uh, achieve their own goals. Right. So I I, I really enjoy it, you know, cause uh, you know, cause it's it's kind of it's. It's a little bit harder teaching uh, people who who want to actually compete because it's much more intense. Right now, we you know just have fun, and uh, these people want to go as far as they can as far as their boxing techniques and getting into shape. So that's what we mainly focusing on. Exactly. Yeah, I I, I understand completely because. Uh, You've you've had enough of seeing exactly how far you can push and and uh, for for your own career. I, I for myself, I I could uh, uh, I could do what you're doing a lot easier than I could train somebody in a, for for serious fighting because it it uh, it becomes business again, you know. And this and I'd be able to enjoy myself a little bit more working with somebody and just helping them out. I agree. A lot more comfortable scenario. <laughs> exactly. So, Anthony. Uh, yeah, Jeff. Thank you. you gonna... Great questions there. And uh, uh, Jeff, we'll talk to you in a, a few about uh, some of the other things. But a uh, couple more questions for you, Ron. And we thank you again for your time. Uh, you know, you you alluded to earlier how much you love the sport of boxing. Uh, been a follower of it. For many many years, uh, what were some of your uh, most favorite fighters? And you, know, you already alluded to who your favorite fighters were. What were some of the best fights you ever seen, whether live or on television? Well, there's a fight that I I tell people it's the number one fight in history. 
George Foreman versus Ron Lyle, the greatest fight ever. I don't, I don't care. Oh, yeah. People can say Hearns, people can say Hearns Hagler all they want. Foreman Lyle, the greatest fight ever. And, and what, what is it for you up. about that fight? Because uh, great fight, but there there are a lot of slugfests, a lot of all action fights. Uh, what sticks out to you about that fight? I think it might have been Howard Cosell's call on that fight that tipped it over the top for me. I think it might uh-huh. have been the Cosell's call. Ah, okay, That's interesting there. Uh, a lot of fight people. And I'll get Jeff's uh, opinion on this a little in a few. Uh, I see it all over social media and some of the same uh, groups that we are, we're in. A lot of boxing people despise Howard Cosell, but you enjoyed him, huh? Yeah, I did. I mean, I thought he always brought something, a different level to the fight. And that's what you want your announcers to, to do is elevate the fight. So I think he done that very well. All right, yeah, I, I enjoy him too. Uh, I don't know if he's my favorite. I think Don Dunphy's my favorite, but I certainly didn't despise Howard, the way I hear a lot of guys saying. Uh, so a couple of other things I wanted to get your opinion on, Ron, and we, we alluded to it a little bit of how rules have been changed, the weigh-ins are, are different these days, 12 to 15 rounds. Uh, what do you think today, what do you think some of the positive changes are in the boxing game today, and what do you think has hurt the sport, if anything, what do you think needs to change in boxing circus 2017? Well, the, the, the one thing that needs to change, number one, is they need to eliminate some of these belts. There are too many belts. Mm-hmm. When you mm-hmm. don't know who's the champion, it's a problem. They need to minimize. Minimal makes better, in my opinion. I understand they're trying to spread the wealth and give people a chance to make money. I understand that aspect, but at some point it just waters everything down. So right, that's, right. that's one of the things. And what's good about boxing now is I think uh, PBC, I think uh, Al Heyman and what he's doing is very, very good. I, I, I really like what he's done. Yeah, I agree. A lot of people give PBC a hard time, in particular Heyman, but there are a lot of people who couldn't stand Heyman even before the PBC. If he managed the guy, uh, people would automatically go against the Heyman guy even before the PBC. But I think it's better, more good than bad in terms of uh, what it's produced in terms of boxing and what it's done for fighters. I mean, uh, they even give fighters a chance to uh, become analysts, so to speak. A lot of the, the fighters call the fights. I mean, how is any of that a bad thing? Oh, that's great. So, you know, so that's one of, the, one of the positive things in boxing I think is happening. So hopefully he'll be able to continue for many years. And what about the aspect of the weigh-in now? They weigh in the day before the fight. You talked about some weight issues that you've had in your career. Uh, there was some controversy with the, with the recent uh, Triple G Jacobs fight with how much Jacobs weighed going into that fight. Do you think it's for the better that the fighters weigh in the day before, or do you think they should go back to the day of the, weigh, the, day of the fight to weigh in? 
Well, the way I feel is I think it's the day of the fight. I think the day of the fight is probably going to give you the best uh, matchups. You know, when a guy can go uh, hydrate uh, 15 pounds heavier than the guy he's fighting, it doesn't seem fair to me, but I understand the self-safety aspects that they're trying to implement as, as far as the day before. But, you know, I, I think you know, I, I'm for the, the same day weigh-in. And you were originally supposed to come on the week before the Triple G Jacobs fight. I want to get your opinion on that. Now that the fight has happened, what was your opinion on the actual fight and the result? Actual fight, I thought I thought Triple G won. Now I, I don't I didn't think Triple G looked good. I thought he was too respectful. I don't know if Jacobs hurt him early on or what, but I thought he was just a little bit too respectful of Jacobs. But Jacobs, in my estimation, fought an excellent, excellent fight. I think it did raise some legitimate questions about triple triple G, but I still, nevertheless, I still think he won the fight. All righty, and thank you for that. And uh, just a couple more questions, Ron. Uh, we talked about how decorated an amateur you were, the talent pool that you was surrounded by, the talent pool from the '76 Olympics, which got you into boxing. <laughs> Why do you think the American boxing scene, the American Olympians, do not perform like they used to? Well, here, here, here's my theory. I said this uh, at least 10 years ago. I think they're trying to eliminate amateur boxers. I think they just want it all to be professional. I really think they're trying to eliminate amateur boxing. I said it 10 years ago. You know, if they, mm. they they if they're not trying to eliminate it, they're trying to minimize it to its lowest level. Ah, interesting theory there. So I will definitely keep an eye on that. And my last question for you, Ron, is uh, you, you talked about how you train for fitness and all of that. But if you had a young kid in front of you that was uh, had inspirations to become a, a boxer, what advice would you give him? The number one advice is to believe in itself because boxing is the greatest circle of critics you can ever find. So what I would tell him, most of all, is believe in yourself, believe in your journey and what you can do. Not what people tell you what you can't do, but believe in what you can do. So that's the biggest advice I would give an up-and-coming fighter. All righty, great stuff there, Ronnie Essett. It's been our pleasure. Uh, definitely would love to have you back on at another time, uh, talking about some upcoming fights. Your knowledge and what you bring to the table is impeccable. Uh, I'm going to open up Jeff Bumpus' uh, mic, too, so he can say goodbye to you. It's been our pleasure, Mr. Essett. Now, some, now it's time for you to give some closing remarks. First, Jeff's going to say goodbye. I, I just want to say, you know, so see you later, uh, Ronnie, and, and uh, maybe I'll run into you again in L.A. this year at, at the West Coast Hall of Fame event. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs>
right. All right. Thank you, Ron. Uh, any other closing <laughs> remarks you want to you want to provide us for? Only closing remarks I have is boxing is the purest sport of all of all of them. Hopefully, all the nonsense that's taking place in boxing will minimize itself, and people can get back to seeing good pure boxing matches. Alrighty, thank you, sir, and you have a good rest of your evening, Ronnie the Dragon Asset. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. Alrighty, so 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 good stuff there. Uh, a lot of insight, uh, a lot of uh, nostalgia. So some some great uh, information provided uh, by him. All the sparring with Roy Jones and all that. Just yeah, I mean, you could talk to a guy like that, Jeff, forever. Oh yeah, definitely. Most definitely. Now, uh, you know, he's 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 been he's been right in the in the uh, thick of junior middleweight division when it was at its best. Never seen any time better than when he was right there. Yeah, and a lot of top fights over the years for him. There's just a super talent, and uh, you know I've been trying to get him on the show for a while now, and we we were finally able to pull it off. So I'm glad for that. Uh, especially on such a sour day for me. But, uh, Jeff, uh, we, we have a couple of other things to cover. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to talk about that I did not discuss with you beforehand, so you could be mad at me if you don't like it, but there's a little surprise for you. <laughs> so it was also in, the ring, also in the Ring magazine, and they, they do this uh, from time to time mm-hmm. now where they have polls. They have heavyweight uh, poll. They have a heavyweight, heavyweight poll where – a, a pool of experts rank uh, a certain weight class. In this particular issue, this current issue, it was the heavyweights. Now, normally I don't do this. I never make lists. I think the biggest waste of time is to discuss who your top pound for pound is and all of that. Uh, I, I don't. I, I would never write an all-time list or anything of that nature. But I thought this article was interesting for a couple of reasons. And they, and it was written by Thomas Hauser. Everybody knows him. And and I always say when you're talking about who's the best or ranking and all that, you have to have some kind of a criteria. What's your criteria? Sometimes it's as simple as this guy would have beaten this guy. But they don't do that here with the heavyweight poll, which I liked. It's, and I'm reading right from the article. It says this heavyweight poll has different criteria from previous exercises. Rather than match champions against each other in a round-robin tournament, the electors were asked to rank them in order of greatness. This is more than who would have had beaten who. Other considerations are involved. The poll evaluated 20 champions. The fighters listed chronologically John L. Sullivan, James Corbett, Bob Fitzsimmons, James Jeffries, Jack Johnson, Dempsey, Tunney, Lewis, Marciano, Liston, Ali, Frazier, Foreman, Holmes, Tyson, Hollyfield, Bo, Lewis, and the Klitschko brothers. So great is a hard word to define, it says, and greatness is subjective. So what they considered was the fighter's skill level. So too the skill level, the fighter's skill level within the context of its time, of his time rather. How great was each fighter within his era? Was he the best of his era, dominant in his era? How many other great heavyweights fought in his era? Rivalries make fighters. Did he fight the other great heavyweights of his time? 
which elite fighters who were in their prime did he beat? So all of these things were taken into consideration by 30 panelists. Now, I'm not going to read all of the panelists, but uh, I'll read a couple from each pool. From the trainers, you had the likes of Teddy Atlas and Virgil Hunter. Matchmakers, you had Russell Peltz and Bruce Champler, uh, among many matchmakers. Media, you had Al Bernstein and Ron Borges, two very smart men because they both said Hagler won that fight. Also, Jerry Eisenberg, legendary uh, writer. And then you had historians, such as Randy Roberts, who's who's wrote a bunch of uh, boxing books, one on Joe Lewis that I particularly liked. And uh, that's the poll. So they ranked from 1 to 20. uh, No surprise who they picked first, I don't think. I mean, uh, who would you say? Jeff, who who would you guess would be number one out of that pool? Oh, gosh. Uh, you know, for, for me, it would have to be Ali. So, you know, Muhammad Ali would be my... Right. Ali, Ali was one. I mean, that wouldn't be for me, but I, 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 I was no surprise that he was. Uh, I'm not going to yeah. get into the score. It's like a whole elaborate scoring system and all of that. But here's the problem yeah. I have with this article and this poll, Jeff. Uh, each one, they take each fighter and they have quotes from the panelists about them, but you never know how they voted or who's saying what. So in other words, it's like Mm -hmm. a hidden thing kind of thing, which I think is a cop out. I mean, you get, you get some really interesting uh, tidbits here, like somebody who uh, talked about Marciano, who was wound up number four on this list. It says Marciano beat real fighters on his way up. He did lose. Ted Lowry was robbed in their first match. But when his character was tested, nobody was better. Now, who said that? Who said, I mean, that Ted Lowry fight, there's, as far as I know, there's no footage of it. I went looking. I went searching. I'm a fight collector. So who said it? How do you know he lost? Were you there? Did you see it? Was it something that you read? Yeah. Uh, since they don't yeah. reveal who made the quote, we don't know. So I think it's – I don't know why Ring Magazine does that. And uh, Tyson, who wound up being number nine, and, uh, and one guy says Tyson was the greatest six-round heavyweight of all time, but if he couldn't take an opponent out in six rounds, he started to fall apart. When Tyson – and this is from a different – this is a different quote. When Mike Tyson got discouraged, he wasn't the same fighter. Joe Lewis would have discouraged Tyson real fast. A lot of guys on this list would have this discouraged Tyson real fast. Great insight, uh, a quote that can be debated, but we have no idea who said it. And just one more. I'm reading some of the more derogatory ones because it, it's easy to say something negative about somebody if you don't have to, you know, own, take ownership with it. And Riddick Bo. Bo was a super talent and a super waste. He had gone... He had one great fight, the first fight against Holyfield. Then he got lazy. Riddick had the potential to be much higher on this list, but never got there. He was a disappointment. When you squander talent like that, you do not deserve to be ranked high. And that is the only quote provided by a panelist for Joe Lewis, uh, Lewis, uh, Riddick Bolt. And we have no idea who it is. I mean, uh, 
I mean, how, how do you go through the trouble of this and, and don't reveal whose opinions and how they voted? Well, it's kind of like an anonymous internet. <laughs> you don't even have to have a, a, a tag name that you can insult them in return with. You know, it's I, I find the whole thing ridiculous because it's not only the that premise, but the premise that uh, a fighter in his true greatness can only be tested by the uh, opponents that he's fought. And, and normally this is true, but they're forgetting people like Harry Wills. Uh, uh, I, I don't think, I don't I don't remember whether you know somebody like Sam Sam Langford. That nobody knows how great they were because they weren't allowed to fight for for the title. They right, were, they, right. They were they were they were closed out. So how can how can we judge? You know, now uh, if you were to uh, take somebody's word for something, or or you know, the, like like these anonymous panelists and everything. Then the, I find I find a lot of people in in boxing books and 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 historical accounts that say you know nobody could touch Sam Langford. Sam Langford was the greatest heavyweight of all time, and you know, and up until that point, I'm sure that there there there's a lot of truth to that, but. Uh, like you, like you said, when you introduced the whole the whole topic, it's ridiculous to try and match people up. You know, when you can't get them in the same ring, it's it's just a waste. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just mm-hmm. a waste. And then it becomes right. about egos. It becomes a political party thing. So, right. uh, I I I think that uh, that saying that Marciano fought. Uh, really good fighters on his way up. Well, everybody fights really good fighters on the way up, but you know, as far as, as greatness, you know, as far as, as absolute greatness, he, he had he had uh, uh, Walcott at 38, 38 years old, I think. You know, and that's right. where that's that's where the title and 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 that doesn't. I, I mean, that's the guy who had the title. That's not Marciano's fault. It's not his fault that it, that that there weren't huge names. Still hanging around the the heavyweight division when he was when he was a champion. If you beat everybody, it's, it's not. I don't really like Floyd Mayweather that that well. But I mean, he cleaned he cleaned things out. You know, Chavez cleaned cleaned divisions out. You can't hold against them whether it's they, you you feel personally that somebody was weak or not. If he if he did well, he did well. Right, and the other side of that, I mean, there are clear instances where they didn't, like Bolt, I mean, it wasn't written there. Another big criticism of Bolt was he didn't fight Lennox Lewis. That was that fight was a natural. And, uh, you know, so that I could see that hurting him. I mean, not that I would participate in something like this, but I thought it had an intriguing uh, idea to it. Uh, and some of the uh, panelists, said that they were uncomfortable. They didn't want to rank guys like Corbett and Fitzsimmons because they never seen them. But again, exactly. we don't, again, we don't know which panelists that who said that because it's left out of the article. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, it might have, it, I mean, you know, as far as it, they say, this is the panelists and guess which one said this or something like that. But, but uh, it might it might as well have been 
pulled off of one of the uh, 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 Facebook sites for you know uh, for any boxing group that you know somebody just says something and I I know boxing and you're supposed to listen to right it, you know. Right. I mean, but look yeah. at the names who are on here. I mean, uh, th- these are guys that don't seem bashful about boasting that they're God's gift to boxing knowledge. I mean, I didn't read his name, but Harold Letterman was one of the panelists. So wh- why are they all participating in an anonymous poll? It's mind boggling to me. So uh, I just wanted to throw out that out there as well uh, with the, I, the I current think- issue of Ring Magazine. I think Ring Magazine decided to make it anonymous so they wouldn't get bombarded with personal insults. You know, they wouldn't become the the uh, posting board for uh, a a boxing uh, uh, macho contest. You know, uh, right? If, they, if, they, if there's nobody in particular that they can yell at, then they'll write once and say, "Are you crazy? No, are you an idiot?" Ranking so and so about so and so is absolutely ridiculous. Right, you, right. You shouldn't be allowed. You shouldn't be allowed to have a pen in your hand, much less run a typewriter. You know where you could hurt yourself. Something insulting. You know. But yeah, possibly a, a comment such as "Bo being a super waste" would not be so would not be so explicit if that person ha- had to reveal themselves. They might have criticized yeah. Bo, but did it a little, little gentler way. I don't know. That that's you know I mean I, I'm not I'm not sure uh, who who it was but that sounds like somebody who uh, believes in more of the macho aspect of of the sports uh, the whole uh, mind over matter some you know someone who believes in that sort of thing and and you know it kind of limits the field uh, from the people that you read you know their names and everything so I I guess you could say by the way the uh, the quotes are phrased. You could you could probably put a face on all of them. Yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I was I think this person said this and that person said that, which also so maybe maybe that's one of the reasons why they do it. Yeah, you know, I fell right into the trap. But and this is not <laughs> unique. They do this all the time. They've done it for pretty much every. They done it. I, I have an issue where they did it for the light heavyweight uh, and all that. So this is not just a one time thing. They do this a lot now. So, uh, so yeah, I just I don't want to spend too much more time on it, but I, I thought it was interesting. But the, the idea to put guys on there that you didn't even see fight is kind of yeah. odd to me. And, and there's just no way. I mean, you know, every, uh, you want to say Ali is the best? I I don't agree, but uh, you know, I'm not going to. You know, that's your opinion. You, those that's a lot of people's opinions, but. Uh, I wouldn't even waste my time making a list of the best. I mean, for me, the best fighter I've ever seen is Marvin Hagler, hands down. But mm-hmm. I realize most people don't share that same sentiment. Uh, they, they, but uh, I, I'd be willing to, to explain why I say that. But you know, he's also my favorite fighter of all time, too. So maybe there's a little bias there, I, you know. But I think the two go hand in hand with me. But would I ever sit down and r- rank the all-time great middleweights from one to ten, like a, a, a list of such? No, I wouldn't do that. It's... it's, it's... It's, uh, I, I guess you could say it generates interest because somebody's going to say, right. uh, you know, I, I even got uh, sucked into uh, 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 reading a Rolling Stone article about uh, greatest drummers of all time. And by the right, time, right, right. Are you insane? You know, are you crazy? It, 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 it 
challenges uh, Reed for and and you, you, you end up being outraged. Keith Moon, that's my vote. <laughs> yeah, I, I I believe that w- that uh, Moon was the no, it was John Bonham. That's, Bonham that's number what one. Uh, Moon Moon was number two. Ah, yeah. they, 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 but I, I have no bearing on anything. I, I just I, I love the Who, and he was a great drummer. That's why I threw that out there. Right. But yeah, I mean, I I, I just think, and no disrespect to anybody, but it's it's kind of a disrespectful statement. But I think lists are for the weak-minded, especially in boxing. There are so many other great, intriguing conversations and debates to have, rather than, oh, this is my pound-for-pound list, Uh, this is my all-time list, I rank this one. Who cares? Let's talk about something with some meat on it, some substance. Right. Talk to me. Tell me why you really thought Lennon won that fight. Tell me why uh, you, you think that uh, Muhammad Ali should have won against Ken Norton in Yankee Stadium. Tell me what do you think would have happened if Carlos Palomino and Pepino Cuevas fought. You know, th- those are things that have much more meat on them, They're real, much more based in reality, rather than talking yeah. about Harry Greb, a guy you never watched. <laughs> I forgot the name, but uh, it, it sounds really knowledgeable to say, well, Greb was obviously the greatest middleweight of all time, and and, and he might very well. Have been. I'm not I'm not ridiculing the idea. I'm just saying for for me to say it because it's it makes me sound smart. Uh, you know, it's kind of a waste. I, I, I never I've never seen I've seen uh, I've seen one motion picture of him, and I think he was jumping rope. Right. That doesn't tell me very Right, right. You know? I mean, the, the the idea that people love Greb, all right, he's got an impressive record with name, impressive names, but and the idea that he fought so many times in one year. But if you look, if you know anything about the history of boxing, there are guys that top him in how many fights they've had in one year. It was commonplace yeah. at that time. So, I mean, I don't know how you equate that to what goes on today. But anyway... Uh, you know, but uh, I'd still much rather talk about that than who's my who do you think the ten best heavyweights of all time? Well, it's an impossible conversation to get into with any realism. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I you know, I'd rather much than sit down and say, well, I, you know, I thought George Chavalo beat Muhammad Ali in the first fight. And people have thought it's a ridiculous statement, but uh, let's sit down and watch the fight and tell me how I'm wrong. The only way I'm wrong is if you don't count body punches. <laughs> so they, so they. So, so, so that there was you my go. entire career. What you what you just <laughs> what you just said right there was my entire career encapsulated in a sentence. There you go. Count body. There you go. Well, we're up against the clock, Jeff. About a little over ten minutes to go. So let's shift gears and talk about something with a little bit more substance. We have a pretty intriguing fight this weekend: Vassal Lomachenko against Jason Sosa. What say you? What are you looking forward to in this fight? Well, you know, I'm looking forward to, to somebody providing more of a challenge to Lomachenko than than just swinging in air. You know, somebody was you know, with a plan uh, who's not going to give him. I think that the way you're going to get uh, in inside of of Lomachenko's head is to uh, eliminate his his space, make him fight in foam. And uh, yeah, I know I've 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 watched the uh, films 
on Facebook where, you know, always he's in the matrix. He's in, um, he's controlling the distance pretty well. That's one thing that Lomachenko is a master at. He's controlling the distance and he punches when he wants to punch. And he, you know, it's kind of like that Sun Tzu war, you know, uh, art of war thing, you know, you know, attack when your enemy doesn't want, is not ready. And, and when you're not ready, avoid him. And that's exactly what he's, what he's doing. And, uh, He's in the matrix. He's making this guy miss. Well, uh, lots of people can flip punches, especially when you launched from, you know, by a desperate opponent from a couple feet away. You know, it's it's a, it looks really good. Don't get me wrong. Uh, I I think that uh, I think that Lomachenko really is probably the best pound for pound right now. Here here I go making a list, but uh, <clears throat> after I said they were stupid. I, I think he's probably the best we've got, you know, as far as boxing skill and everything like that. And he ha- he only has these few pro fights, so it's very hard to determine that. But we're going to find out exactly how much he's got to offer. I, 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 I would imagine that if it's close, he's going to get the decision because and, – and, and I'm hoping it's going to be close. Uh, I haven't really – sat down and, and gone over film or anything. But uh I just I just think that this kid is going to provide more of a challenge than he's than he's faced and he's he's gonna get hit. But uh I, I think that he's he's gonna be a decision winner. I don't think it's gonna be a knockout or anything. I think it's gonna go the distance. I think yeah, it's that, early. It certainly would add to the the mythical pound for pound status if Lomachenko can get Sosa out of there because I don't as far as I know Sosa has not ever been stopped. Uh, but what do we take from the common opponent in the in Walters where Lomachenko pretty much chased him out of the ring and Sosa won a controversial decision against him where most people thought that he lost. Now, I'm not suggesting you had time to look at this, but just on the surface, the skin of the onion all the time, what can we learn from common opponents? Because when uh, Hearns and Hagler got together, we learned nothing from their common opponent in Durant. I mean, it it had nothing to do with what we saw that night. Right, right. Uh, I I think that um, what Walters was trying to do with Lomachenko is not to be made a fool of. If that he seemed he seemed tense, he seemed if he just would have attacked and you know I, I guess that's my my solution for pretty much everything. Uh, uh, the really slick guys put them in a phone booth and let's see what we you know see what see how good you are inside of a phone booth. You know, uh, I I I just just thought that. Uh, Walters was was a different fighter, and I and I thought I'm looking at somebody who's and he's never said anything, so I can't say for sure. But I, I thought I was looking at a guy who has uh, listened to the press too much, who has uh, decided he can't he can't look like a fool, he can't throw and miss, and 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 it'll it'll be the worst thing, and. Uh, so tense and so uh, nerved up about 
this great boxer. You know, I mean, like I like I said, the the press on this thing really got to him. I, I, that's just my impression. You know, I don't know the guy. Right. I talked to him. And I but, also uh, think there was frustration there uh, about not getting a fight in a long time, frustration with how he was being treated. So there was a lot going there, and I was wrong. Uh, Sosa's one loss was a first-round knockout, first-round TKO uh, way back in 2010 against Trayshawn Wiggins. So he has been stopped early. I don't know what the circumstances were around that fight. Um, you know, reading it yeah. from a you know a record, but it's certainly there. And it says he was knocked down three times in that first round. Yeah, if so. you get caught, you know, anybody can get caught. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't really, as far as early early losses or something like that, especially, you know, for somebody like myself. I am. I think my third pro fight, I lost a decision. First of all, three, three blind mice were judging the thing. As second, uh, it, uh, I had like twenty amateur fights. Was so one? Was, was know, one of them so... named Jojo Gara? <laughs> or was Dave he, Moretti? Was he the one that did... <laughs> He's the one that scored one eighteen, one ten for Leonard. And just as that happened, uh, we lost. Jeff. Jeff didn't get dropped too many times or stopped in his career, but he just got dropped from the show. Let's see if we could get him back real quick. I know he's somewhere where there's bad weather as well, and we had a lot of bad weather here in the Bronx for most of the day. Jeff, you there? I think we lost you again. I'm I'm here. I'm here. Are you there? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, you were talking about Jojo Gara, and you got dropped. So, there you go. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, he scored 118, 110 for Leonard. But, I'm sorry, continue your story, the three blind mice in your fight. Well, it was my third pro fight, and and the guy, you know, the the bell rings, and the guy, you know, uh, congratulates me and says, well, you won that one, you know. And then they they (laughs) – uh, announced him as a winner, and he looked at me and shrugged his shoulders like, I, it's not my fault, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I wanted to get him back in the ring is what, yeah. what I wanted. But but uh, it, uh, you can't go by. Some some people are learning their, learning their trade. They didn't have much of an amateur career. Ronnie S. had a long amateur career, had a lot of fights. Right, right. Well, and yeah. The only reason why I think it might there. be the only thing that the reason why I thought it would be significant for me personally, anyway, was that if he was never stopped and Lomachenko stopped him, to me that like I, I look for those kinds of things. So uh, I understand what you're saying, but uh, you know, if Lomachenko goes the distance and it's even a tough fight, I think Sosa gains stock here. And uh, you know, well, I'm I don't want to pressure and give you a prediction because we didn't really talk about this in life uh, prior to the show. But if Sosa wins by any way, shape, or form, is it front runner for upset of the year? What do you think? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, anybody right now, uh, he, he's got the, such a, such a, right in such a streak now that you have to consider it a huge upset. An early candidate, at least. All righty. I mean, we. Uh, I'm trying to think. Do we have a major upset this year? I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I don't know. I'm so bent up about this uh, the Sugar Ray Leonard nonsense. I'm losing my mind. In the back uh, of my head, I think we did have a big upset. 
I can't remember what it was. Oh, well, Bernard Hopkins being knocked out of the ring. Maybe that was a little bit. That was the end of. That was the end of last year. Last end of last year. You see, you see what happens. You see what happens. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, because that was, I believe, the upset of the year. No, Smith over from Farrow was upset of the year. So, yeah, two big ones. But, no, they, they were both. Yeah. I, I guess not. I guess not. Uh, you know, so 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 we have that. But, uh, I mean, if you want to render an official prediction, you can. But I don't want to pressure you. I, I just, I, you know, just from from – I haven't really sat down and looked at at uh, uh, what I like to do is see how they how they match up with somebody that has a has a, uh, the same style that they fought earlier in their career because habits you know uh, repeat themselves you know I mean, that's a dumb thing to say but I mean uh, you end up yeah we didn't have time to do that I, I you know because I told you I didn't even realize that fight was this week until today. <laughs> <laughs> that I have no no oh. problem revealing that. So there you go. Okay. I, I've been all I've been all over the place, but I mean, if you did, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's telling that you would say that uh, a source of victory puts it as front runner of upset of the year. So that 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 pretty much is what we could do. But well, uh, I mean, he's, Sosa he's, has he's, this big power too, so I think that's intriguing for this fight. He's he's cap- he's at least a capable opponent, which is more than you can say for a lot of. Uh, top-notch fights that we have nowadays as far as, you know, actually providing a challenge. He's a good fighter. He's a challenge. He's a a title holder, too. He's a champion. I mean, Ronnie talked about Mm -hmm. how uh, too many belts wore things down, but uh, in today's aspect, I want to give the champions their due. It's not their fault, like you said before. Uh, So he is the WBO World Super Featherweight uh, Champion. So, uh, so, th- so there you go. Uh, and uh, I think anyway, uh, is that uh, Lomachenko's title? I know he has, a, I know he has a title of some sort. He won a title in China uh, against uh, what's his name? Uh, he was just on TV the other day too. From uh, not from Farah, I forget his name now. It's been a rough day, Jeff. It's been a rough day. <laughs> he, he was just on TV the I other understand. day. On the with the cherry fight, I was watching. Oh well, it'll come to me the minute we get off the air. We're, we're no, we're no longer yeah, on the didn't live. Yeah, get the prelim on that. Well, well, no, he he wasn't fighting. He was in the stands. They even talked oh, to him. Oh. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Now I'm gonna do the same thing. I'm getting a block. Well, I'm gonna cheat. I'm just gonna look. <laughs> Pedroza. I'm just gonna... Pedroza. There you go. Pedro... There oh, is go. it Pedroza? Fortuna, Fortuna. <laughs> Pedroza is the guy Cherry fought. Pedraza, Javier yeah. Fortuna, Javier Fortuna. That's who. Jay... Fortuna. Sorry, well, folks. It's been. A... It was in China, and he won the <laughs> WBA World Featherweight title. I, I think he had to get rid of his bat. So this fight is for Lomachenko's WBO title, but Sosa won the WBA version against. Fortuna in China stopped them in 11 rounds, which is a pretty good fight. Uh, so there you go. So, I mean, I have nothing else, Jeff. I think we, we, we could get out of here unless you have any closing remarks. Uh, just, uh, I, I, I thought that, uh, uh, that the Cherry uh, Douglas fight, uh, I just thought that uh, uh, when Cherry took the fight to him, he was really dominant with it. And when they, when they settled into the, uh, 
the the boxing, then uh, it became a series of exchange jabs and exchange lead rights, and and you know it's very hard to score that one. So I can see why people are are upset about you know think that they're I I did not I did not score it, but I thought uh, I thought Terry won it, but uh, definitely. Right, right. I, I thought he had a definite edge as far as the power shots and, and you know, going after the guy. I thought he, he would have won it a lot more easily if he had if he had closed the distance. Yeah, I didn't sit down and score that fight looking at it when the bell rang. I was like, okay, this is going to be a close one. I could even see a split here. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. Cherry and I thought Cherry didn't do himself any favors in those last few rounds. But I, I could see where he could get the nod, uh, six to four, uh, uh, or uh, yeah. even a even a draw. I thought could have been appropriate. Yeah. But uh, yeah. you know, again, uh, without sitting down and scoring it, uh, you know, when the bell rang, I didn't say, "Oh, Cherry was the clear winner." I didn't say Douglas was the clear winner. I said, "Oh, this is going to be yeah. an interesting good, decision." Good yeah. Yeah. So, so there you go. I, so, uh, with that, I mean, uh, maybe I'll say I just been so busy these days, and from now on, I want to approach scoring a fight with a different kind of a mindset and attention. And with these announcers being so distracting now, I do it without mm-hmm. the sound. But uh, right. I have to have a different mindset when I watch those fights, and I just want to sit down and watch the fight nowadays. I don't want to score it anymore. Yeah. But anytime anybody wants to sit down and score the Hagler Lennon fight with me, be my guest. That I will do. That I will do. Anything else, we're, my we're friend? We're not going to let this go anytime soon. <laughs> well, all day I've no. been seeing these dopey threads on social media with this 30th anniversary nonsense. And thankfully, there's a lot of sane people out there, but especially those who who participated in that Twitter poll. But uh <laughs> Too many glorified Sugar Rain Leonard fans today. It's got me uh, under my skin. If anybody hasn't noticed, you've been paying as much attention as you did when you watched that fight if you thought Leonard won. But they, <laughs> anything else, my friend? Uh, nothing else tonight. All righty. So we'll talk soon. Enjoy the fights. Again, uh, make sure you go to ringsidereport.com and maxboxing.com for all your boxing fixes. If you want to email me and try and set me straight with uh, what I think happened, what I know would happen, zootsboxingtalk at yahoo.com, or if you want to email me about anything. There you go. So uh, special thanks to you, my friend Jeff Bumpus, Ronnie Essen, and Egna Cherry. Uh, until next time, ring the bell. <laughs> And keep on punching. It was a teenage wedding and the old folks wished them well. You could see that Pierre did truly love the mademoiselle. And now the young monsieur and madame have rung the chapel bell. They love to the old folks, it goes to show you never can tell. Finished off an apartment with a two-room robust sale. The Coolerator was crammed with TV dinners and... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.